Welcome to this episode of Dog Ear Shaken and Stirred. I'm Leah Clinton. This week's episode features Vale Donzelli reading his story, The Art of Unlearning. Vale's story is about the importance of being able to unlearn that which we hold as fact in order to open our mind to new truths. Here's Vale. The Art of Unlearning by Vale. Durham, North Carolina, 1971. C.P. Ellis is one of the leaders of a local Ku Klux Klan group. The court has just imposed the segregations in the schools. Black and white kids will have to share classes. The turmoil following this decision is to be mitigated by a committee of parents representing the different communities of Durham. A co-chairmanship for the meeting seems to be the best solution. Ellis is elected to be one of the chairmen. The other one is Anne Atwater, an activist for black civil rights. The 10 days that followed would completely change the lives of both. Understanding that they basically shared the same problems and struggles with their children opened Alice's heart. By the end of the session, Alice had decided to leave the KKK and publicly tore up his membership card. C.P. Alice had a sudden paradigm shift. In a few days, he unlearned what he had learned and firmly believed across the 41 years of his life. In two conferences I attended recently, I have heard two different speakers underline the importance of unlearning. Both speakers were really inspiring, so I started to wonder whether I should take this seriously. What does unlearning really mean in practice? How does it differ from learning something new or upgraded? Or isn't it just the same as changing a habit, belief or behavior? Before answering these questions, let's start off with some definitions I found. Number one. To put something learned out of the mind, to forget. Number two, to undo the effect of, put aside the practice of. Number three, to forget and stop doing something such as a habit in a deliberate way because it is bad or incorrect. I will tell you in a minute which is my favorite and why. Be patient. Notwithstanding my prior ignorance on the unlearningness matter, It turns out a great deal of brilliant thinkers already produce provoking statements on this subject. You will forgive me if I report just a couple of them. You must unlearn what you have learned, said Yoga, the Jedi Grandmaster of Star Wars. The Greek philosopher Antisthenes pointed out that the most useful piece of learning for the uses of life is to unlearn what is untrue. I believe this topic deserves some attention mostly because we have spent a significant part of our early years in the education systems. At the same time, the majority of us would agree that the nature of life itself is strongly bound to learning experiences, to the point that, to describe this phenomenon, we use words like growing and development, which heavily correlate with the passing of time and its effect. However, nobody has ever warned us that we would have to unlearn things. What is this? Another Zen principle or something? Well... I don't know what a Zen master would say about that, but here is what I think. Unlearning is a way of admitting we were wrong, or we have a new belief system, or we were taught something which now turns out to be incorrect or incomplete. Unlearning as a conscious practice is more than a simple recognition of failure or mistake. It is an action. It means you're consciously open to recognize and willing to dismantle something that didn't work within you, or that worked up to a point and now is obsolete or not effective anymore. That's why I like the third definition more than the others. Remember, to forget and stop doing something, such as a habit, in a deliberate way, 
because it is bad or incorrect. Exactly, in a deliberate way. Looking back into my past, I figured out that the reason for my sudden attraction to this concept was probably driven by the fact that in the last couple of years I unlearned an unprecedented amount of stuff, which I was taught and or I believe being true. I also unlearned behaviors which I either didn't know were against my overall well-being or I was convinced I couldn't control. It is stronger than me or this is the way I am sort of things. In other words, I sensed I kinda knew what unlearning felt like. As a result, I'd like to share some ideas that, based on my experience, might help you in your own path to learn, unlearn, and relearn. The first suggestion I have is to be humble, in terms of understanding the limits of your perceptions. Don't let your ego convince you that you know everything already, in whichever field, or that, finally, now you get it. Socrates grasped this concept long time ago when he taught the famous lesson. The only true wisdom is knowing you know nothing. Although there are very solid evolutionary reasons for that, we must realize that our brain is fallible, and not by a little. An increasing amount of neuroscientific studies keep showing the astonishing mass of mistakes that we incur through our sense perceptions and the respective interpretation of our brain. Most of these mistakes hold the side effect of creating biases, which we'd better be aware of. To begin with, how reliable do you think your eyes and your memories are? Well, here's a story. 1902. A heated argument between two students in college classroom. One of the students, at some point, pulled a gun on the other. The professor leapt in to try to prevent disaster, and in the ensuing chaos, a shot was fired. School shootings were not common at that time, but this one was particularly unusual. It was fake. It was actually an experiment created by Franz von Liszt, professor of criminology at the University of Berlin. After the putative gunman was taken away, the shaken students were asked to provide individual testimony of what happened, giving as much detail as possible. The best eyewitness got more than 25% of the facts wrong. The worst mistakenly reported 80% of the facts. Similar experiments have been repeated numerous times with alike results. Let me add some more fuel to the fire. Researches about memory show that when we access specific memories from the past, our brain doesn't work as a video player, but it's actually on a subtle edit mode, which can be conditioned by many factors. Each time, some small details of the story get changed, added or removed, to the point that if you ask someone to describe the same event out of memory each year, several years later, a surprising amount of details in the report of the memory would be different from the first one. Bottom line, remember that your perceptions have limits, and your memories do too. The second habit I would encourage is curiosity. Don't stay on the surface of the fact. Try to dig deeper, especially on those subjects that inspire you. For instance, have you just watched a great video or a fantastic TED talk? Check if the speaker wrote a book and read it. That's what I did with a couple of authors that inspired some of the considerations you are listening to right now. For instance, Dan Gilbert with his Stumbling on Happiness and Catherine Schultz with Being Wrong. Or look for other speeches and books on the same topic. Stay up to date on the topics that interest you. Sometimes you're talking to friends about something you read and really impressed you 10 years before. Are you sure there is no update on new theories on that subject? Yes, I know, these attitudes apply more to a continuous learning approach, 
But the truth is that the more and the deeper you learn, the higher the likelihood that you'll end up unlearning something which deserves so. Being curious and courageous will help you to find and adopt new perspectives that sometimes will result in discarding the past paradigms and embrace new ones. The third recommendation I have is to use often and wisely one of the most powerful learning tools, feedback. Even if we typically think about it in the frame of the work environment, I believe the same ideas can apply to any sort of relationship and respective communication patterns. Feedback is almost an art in itself, if we want it to serve its purpose properly. Here are a few recommendations on this matter. Be honest and considerate when you give and don't be defensive when you get. Select people carefully. They should be relevant for the specific field or aspect you want to receive feedback on and they should have enough experience with you to be able to say something meaningful. Ask people that matter to you. Occasionally though, you might want to hear the honest opinion from someone who doesn't necessarily seem to like you or agree with you all the time. Be fact-based as much as possible. You can say something like, I observe you doing this or that. This happened several times, or occasionally, or in that specific situation, and then you argument the situation. When it's more like a feeling than an observation, use appropriate words to establish it. For instance, you might say, I might be wrong, but my perception is that, but my feeling is that. Focus on behaviors instead of shooting statements over the whole person. For example, Sometimes you behave in a seemingly aggressive way, as opposed to, you are aggressive. Don't look for excuses upon receiving a feedback which is given with grace and genuine care. Instead, remember, the best response to an open, constructive feedback is, thank you. There's another behavior I'd really encourage you to undertake. Actively look for the other side of the coin. This requires both humility and curiosity, and takes them to a new level. It is not just a mental exercise of simulating which alternative views or options are available. It is an actual research. For example, if you are particularly attracted by a scientific theory, you can search for articles that contradict it. Learn what other religions have to say on the same subjects. Are you part of a group in favor or against whatever ideal or party or law? Listen to the opposite groups as well. In other words, make true effort to understand what it really feels like to look at the same reality through different glasses. The key aspect of this attitude, though, is the suspension of judgment. That is to say, go through this process as an observer and a learner, otherwise all you will do is look for the flaws of the other side just to reconfirm your own beliefs. This doesn't mean at all you will necessarily change them. You will probably end up staying on your position. Or maybe you'll just fine-tune it, but at least you will have a view of the full picture. This concept applies to the realm of practical problems too. In this case, you may refer to the so-called beginner's mind. As the Zen master Shunyu Suzuki said, In the beginner's mind there are many possibilities, in the expert's mind there are a few. You can cultivate this frame of mind by asking naive questions, including the child's favorite. Why? Be like a space traveler on a new unexplored planet. Would you judge the color of the sand or the composition of the air? No, you would just observe in surprise and contemplation. And then you could still decide that the conditions of that planet do not really fit you. Or maybe they do. After having given you my ideas on this subject, I must admit, 
It still freaks me out to realize that I will change habits, attitudes, opinions, positions, and even beliefs many times in my life. As we all long for safe and solid mental positions, certainties, ideologies, dogmas, call them as you wish, to rely upon, it seems to us rather counterintuitive to look for alternatives to those positions, to question them. The problem is really when we derive our complete identity from these positions, because more often than not, they prevent us to see the interconnections and the commonalities, and rather focus our attention on separateness and differences. Me, us, versus you. On the other hand, when I reflect on my past, I can only admit that I went through so many changes and realizations already, well beyond my expectations. And when I consider the sense of awakening and growth that I derived out of these changes, I come to the conclusion that this aspect is fundamental in a human being's life. Now let's go back to C.P. Ellis for a moment. No matter how entrenched he was in his position and beliefs, for some reason he wanted to show he could deal with the situation. I don't want to suggest he was willing to question what he believed, but somehow the empathy mechanism clicked in him as he spoke with his counterpart. The mindset for the unlearning experience is fairly similar. You must make effort to immerse yourself in a reality which is not yours, looking at the world through someone else's perception lenses, or with no lenses at all. As we speak of constructive conflict in interpersonal relationships and in business environment, we should similarly be willing to create an internal mechanism that helps us occasionally questioning our paradigms without being scared of losing attachment to our current belief systems. Ironically, as we learn how to emotionally and mentally detach from an ideology, a creed or even a simple judgment about someone else or a situation, we will start experiencing a deeper sense of freedom. An amount of paradigm shifts are waiting for us in the course of our lives, whether we like it or not, and unlearning is often the natural consequence. If we make the openness to unlearn a tool to consciously navigate through life, it can serve as a catalyst, bring breakthroughs forward, and help us shaping our inner world. The outer, of course, will just follow.